good riddance 2020. Here's to 2021, a shiny new year. But are you, like us, feeling a bit overwhelmed and out of puff after the last 12 months? There's no doubt that everyone took a bit of a battering last year, but this year it's time to pick ourselves up, give ourselves a quick slap on the butt and get out there again. Even if it is still with a mask on and more than a metre away from everyone. And what better way to motivate us than to listen to some of the best media, marketing, communications and lifestyle professionals in the business. Sharing their future plans both for themselves and for this fantastic industry that we all find ourselves in. Join me, Susie Golding. And me, Andrew Clark, every fortnight as we get up close and personal with some of our favourite people. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Is it a New Year, New You, Andrew? A New Year, New Me. Well, I wouldn't say that. Same old me. A little fatter after Christmas. I tend to eat when I'm depressed. So, you know, it's the end of a, a rather challenging year. And then we, we've all turned over a leaf into 20, 2021, expecting it to be better. But is it going to be any better? Well, I'm, I'm ever optimistic. So, you know, we've got 11 more months to make it happen. So fingers crossed. I hope that in these 11 months, I can uh, deal with my gout a bit better than I have been because <laughs> it's back to plague me again. Oh, dear. Have you got any plans for the next um, 11 months? Well, as, as we are today, no, I have absolutely no plans because there's no point in making any plans yet, is there? No resolutions? No, and I'm not a big believer in resolutions, to be honest, because then you automatically then just feel like a failure when you fail to actually live up to any of your resolutions, which is usually what happens with me. I know, I know the same thing. All these people that are doing, all these people that are doing dry January and that sort of thing, I can't do that. Oh, God. I just flake at the first possible opportunity. I couldn't, I don't have that level of self-discipline. It's a terrible month. Why would you want to make it worse? Exactly, exactly. Enough said. So, um, look, here we are on a new season. We're calling it a new season of the What's Next podcast, um, where we are um, taking it a little easier than we did in our first season, right? It's not going to be weekly. It's going to be fortnightly, right? This is true, because we were nearly killing ourselves to get a podcast out um, every week. I mean, that is an over... It's an overstatement, but it's it's no mistake to say that we were both extremely busy with work and life things and um, trying to fit in a weekly podcast we realised was just a little bit too much. You learn so much. It's such hard work. So new season. Here we go. Who do we have on this week? So this week, Andrew, I thought I'd break with a long held what's next podcast tradition um, and interview someone that I know rather than someone that you know. So there we go. So today, well... And who is it? Who is it that you know and I don't know? So someone that I know that you don't know, but you will know better after uh, our chat with her, is the fabulous Sarah Cragg. Now, she is a real passionate advocate for everything sustainability. So I know we're going to have a really great conversation with her. And we do learn an awful lot of other things about Sarah as well, including something about ice cream. But I don't think we should spoil that for the listener, should we? We should should let them have a listen. Oh, yes. Let's entice them in, Andrew. Before we get cracking, I should be completely honest and say that this episode of What's Next is quite unashamedly selfish for for me. 
which I know we're not, we, we don't have a problem doing that and promoting our own uh, um, expertise and um, contacts, Andrew. So with me today, I have um, a colleague of mine, Sarah Cragg, and Sarah and I work together at Mullinlow Salt, and Mullinlow Salt has always been an agency with brand purpose and sustainability at the heart of everything that it does before those two uh, words or phrases became buzzwords. So for the last 20 years, that's very much been our, our focus. So whether that's doing employee engagement or it's doing brand positioning or it's doing corporate comms, um, everyone who works for Munlow Salt is super passionate about brand purpose and sustainability. And so work around sustainability is not something new for us. We've done it for a long time, but um, we felt that now uh, was a good time for us to launch uh, or formalise the work that we were doing within sustainability, particularly out here in APAC. Sarah and I have worked together for a few years now, and she is the practice lead for our newly launched um, Mullenlow sustainability practice, which we're very excited about. And so I thought it might be a good idea for um, us to get her on the show um, and talk to her a little bit about the sustainability practice. What is it? Uh, why have we launched it now? And also find a little bit more out about her and why she's so passionate about sustainability because it's such a big topic and so very um, prominent now. Um, but Sarah, you know, for Sarah, it's been something that she's been passionate about for a long time. Sarah, hi. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thank you very much for having me. That was a great introduction from Susie, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, where to start? Um, so I've been in Singapore now this time for eight years, um, or just about to be my eight-year anniversary, um, and absolutely love living out here. Not quite as long as Susie, but um, catching up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's my second stint of, in Singapore, and I guess... Um, uh, this kind of goes to why I'm so passionate about uh, sustainability and kind of moving careers. But my first time in Singapore um, was actually as a uh, magic circle lawyer. Um, and uh, it was quite a different uh, work environment. Um, but I, I fell in love with Asia then. But because of various poor, boring law-related reasons, I was only out here on a six-month stint. So I had to kind of go home uh, and go back to the UK to qualify uh, as a lawyer there. Um, but... Having kind of qualified, I very quickly realised that um, maybe law was not right for me, um, both on the day-to-day, -day, the culture, um, and also the kind of overall impact that I was having on the world. Um, both my parents are civil servants in the UK, kind of grew up in a household where everyone was kind of really uh, very interested in creating something bigger than themselves and creating an impact. And I very quickly realised that uh, having gone into law with the right kind of uh, social justice and fairness and all these kind of ambitions, this wasn't necessarily what, uh, what I was doing. Um, so I decided that having uh, spent a couple of years at law school, a couple of years training to be a lawyer and a couple of years as a qualified lawyer, I was uh, going to give that all up and run away um, to try and do something a little bit more impactful. Just before you continue, can I ask, what is a magic circle lawyer? Does that mean you, like, represent magicians and stuff like that? <laughs> that would be so much more fun. I think I definitely would have, um, uh, yeah. Is it like a secret society? It's a secret society. I wish, again, I wish it was one of either of those, but um, not, not so much. Um, so, no, it's just like, uh, it's, you know how the accountancies, again, it's probably a very lawyer thing, um, the accountancies have the big four, the lawyers have the magic circle. 
Um, again, they, we like to to confuse people with uh, making things sound mm. more exciting than they are. Um, Sounds like really very Harry Potter, right? I know. That would have been more fun. You go to law school at Hogwarts and then you kind of go off and join. It's a bit like the Ministry of Magic or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, I mean, I wish it had been. I may still be a lawyer if it was. But yeah, no, it's just the top like five law firms in the world. That's fascinating. I've never heard that before, the magic circle. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds more interesting than this, I'm afraid. <laughs> so you've done all that only to realise that you actually didn't want to be a lawyer anymore? No, not at all, really. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely, you know, some people love the law and that's great. And, I, you know, the law is very important. Um, it, it, you know, it, there's definitely ways you can have an impact through the law. But uh, the type of law that I was doing, which was antitrust law in Europe, um, was very, very specific. Um, and just not some not the kind of uh, long-term career path that I really wanted to be having. Um, it, it meant I could only really be working in these big companies that are buying lots of other companies and huge financial centres. At the time, Singapore didn't even have competition law, so it was just not the kind of environment that I personally wanted to be in and not really the kind of work culture uh, that I wanted to be in. And then... You went back to the UK, and, and what happened after that then? What brought you back to Singapore? So that then I was really lucky to find this programme called On Purpose, which basically takes recovering lawyers, bankers, management consultants, and other professionals um, who maybe have kind of had the same epiphany as I do, that they want to do something a little bit different. And it basically sets them up um, to do consultancy projects for NGOs, socially driven businesses or, um, and social enterprises. Because this guy who's, uh, who set it up um, was an, uh, an ex-McKinsey guy and he basically realised that there was this gap between the uh, social enterprises and charity world that needed all these kind of professional people but couldn't take a chance on them because they didn't have any NGO kind of experience. And then there was also all these people um, like myself who wanted to move into that sector but were struggling because we didn't have that experience. So he basically set up this one-year program um, where he uh, set up these six-month consultancy projects where you got to do experience uh, those kind of environments and those kind of um, businesses. And they also got your uh, skills and expertise. So uh, through that, uh, there was also a lot of career coaching and mentoring and um, kind of like a little mini MBA with all his ex-McKinsey buds who would come in and kind of give us trainings. Um, so it's a fabulous program and I spent six months at Virgin Unite, uh, Richard Brunson's foundation, um, and then six months at Ben & Jerry's, which is when I first kind of uh, met the Ben & Jerry's team in the barn in, in Europe. I love Ben & Jerry's. I, my my favourite my favorite ice cream is, is Chunky Monkey. <laughs> oh, that is a firm favourite with a very small selection of people. Oh, Andrew. Really? Susie, what about you? What's your favourite Ben & Jerry's flavour? My favourite is, oh, what's it called again? Um, the one with the fish. Fish food. Fish food. Fish food. <laughs> yeah, that's my favourite. That favorite. is a classic. I'll yeah. eat any of them, to be honest. I'm not too fussy. And so then the next big thing for you, Sarah, is heading up Mull and Lowe Sustainability, which is our new practice. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I think now is just the time. Like, now is just the perfect timing. As Susie says, we've been doing this work for a long time already. But I think COVID has really added... Uh, you know, put this to every, the top of people's agenda. They're starting to really see that the impact that we have on the world at the moment, whether it's through businesses or as individuals, it's not, it's not necessarily uh, positive and constructive and that we all need to kind of think a little bit more about uh, the impact that we're having. 
And I guess what we wanted to do with um, Mother Low Sustainability was really to kind of formalize that and say, look, we've got the expertise. We've been working with brands and companies like Unilever and Ben and & Jerry's and Danone, um, all those people who are really leave, leading the way in this space. But we know that not everyone is, uh, you know, we, we want to keep working with those companies and keep pushing the boundaries. But we also know that not everyone is at that place in their sustainability journey. Some people are only just beginning. So what we wanted to do was really start this practice that really takes the learnings we have um, from working with some of the best companies and helps to those other companies to those companies to keep moving forward. But the other companies that are just beginning to uh, think about and learn from some of the uh, ways that we've been working with them and help take them forward. Uh, we know that these issues are so big, we all need to be working together. So we need to find those ways to work with uh, people, whoever, whoever they are, wherever they are in their sustainability journey, because that's desire and that will, um, you know, since I think this year and uh, since everyone's starting to see the impacts of climate change um, just all around the world, people are really willing to do that, but they don't really know how to take that first step. So what we want to do is to really help them wherever they are in their journey to take those, uh, those first steps. Um, and to uh, bring it all together and communicate it so that they're uh, getting the benefit from it. What's also been great is just how much how much is happening within these companies. Like they tend to come to us and they're like, oh, we're not really doing anything. We've got this and we've got that. All companies seem to have this kind of starting point. Um, no one is starting from uh, nowhere. And I think the other thing that's been really interesting and something that we want to do a lot more of is actually helping um, companies internally, helping the sustainability people, um, because getting buy-in for these things um, is not always easy. Um, not all companies are like Ben & Jerry's where they kind of really value the impact and they want to be ha having that. Some companies are just you know, totally all about the ROI. Um, how will this um, make us, uh, you know, how, how will this make us a better business and a stronger business? And the great thing that's happening now is that that is, you know, there are all those case studies, there are all those facts coming out. Sustainability is not just for the Ben and Jerry's that, you know, this is built into their brand. If you want to save money, then, you know, you need to be looking at how do you um, cut cut your inputs, how do you say you reuse your outputs. You know, sustainability is about um, making money and it's about kind of, it, it can very closely link to your bottom line. Uh, we also know, are seeing such a quick move um, in the financial markets, like shareholders, people are starting to expect this. Um, if you're trying to raise money, that's a question that is going to be asked to you. Um, so, you know, we're really starting to see the support from financial markets. So it's not just about um, brand building and nice to have and emotional videos and um, people are starting to uh, really care about this and it's moving the needle for businesses. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I'm seeing a lot these days is that, um, you know, sustainability is part of the, it's an obligation. It's not just a kind of a, a nice to have. But to what you're talking about, I think there still is the need for quite a big cultural shift internally within companies. And then also at the same time, it just sounds as well like it's such a great time for you to be doing this, right? It's like the timing seems absolutely perfect. And I think launching something like a sustainability practice, if you if you were to do something like that five years ago, it'd be like, what are you doing that for? But it sounds to me as though you've, you've planned this out very strategically. So I'm sure it's going to be very, very successful. So Sarah, we ask all of our podcast guests to give us three recommendations. So one for a good watch, one for a good read, and one for a good listen. Ooh, okay. So many to choose from at the moment. Just, yeah, everything is just exploding in sustainability, which is great, but uh, it makes it very hard to choose. So um, 
I guess to start off with something very hopeful and positive um, to read, um, there's a book called The Future We Choose by uh, Christiana Figueres. So she was the UN negotiator at the Paris Agreement. Um, and she's very, I really love the name of the book, like The Future We Choose. Mm. Uh, it's very hopeful, it's very positive. Her key message for the Paris Agreement uh, climate uh, negotiations was all about we can do this we need to make decisions and it's not going to be easy but it's possible and it is positive and you know we it is the future we choose so we just need to um, decide what we need to do um, and uh, move on I love that actually because it feels very collective as well doesn't it like mm. we, we can all do this going back to your point about nobody can do this in isolation it has to be individuals governments business um, civil society, it's it's everyone, and that feels very much like that's the sort of position that she's taken. Yeah, and there's, that's a, there's a part of the book which talks about the fu- how the future could be, where it is a sustainable, very positive future. So um, I guess what's very also very powerful about it is this is not, um, and something that I kind of talk quite a lot about, is the fact that we actually have the ma- majority of the solutions we need. Mm. It's not like we need some crazy tech person to... Like come up with these new inventions like that will happen and you know that that will only add to the solutions but you know we have the solutions it's a, a matter of us choosing to um to embrace them and but changing our behavior so that future is very very clear it's very positive we know what we have to do we just need to do it and yeah i love the positivity of that but to counter out that a little bit um, my podcast recommend recommendation would be the angry uh, clean energy guy um where Saad Rasuk, um, he is, as yeah, I, I love him and I love uh, his podcast because he is angry. Um, and I think, you know, anyone who works in sustainability and sometimes, you know, when you look around the world, like there are a lot of things that are wrong um, and uh, it can be very frustrating. And especially for those of us who are kind of in this field, we're sometimes kind of, come on, can't you see, like, do more, why don't you want to do it, why do I have to have these conversations about sustainability and ROI, like, we need to do this for the future kind of health and benefit of the planet and ourselves, Um, so I guess to counteract um, the book's positivity, he's my kind of angry outlet and makes me feel like uh, I'm not the only one that's uh, got this um, kind of frustrations, but um, he goes into lots of detail um, and kind of really very good systems thinker, so um, really thinking about uh, how do we solve these problems from a systems-wide perspective, and he's just uh, fascinating and uh, helps with my uh, anger anger issues. <laughs> um, and the final one um, would just be to watch anything uh, with David Attenborough in it. Obviously, he's a uh, you know British hero. Um, thank goodness, uh, yeah, he's made it through 2020. That would just be yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, he's got his new. Um, new uh, series out on Netflix you know it he just he creates this uh, he, amazing wonderful world of nature and the animals within it and you know that is something that we as humans rely on hugely and if you want to be inspired about not only why we should save this planet for ourselves but also why we need to uh, you know save the planet and the biodiversity, amazing biodiversity we have, um, there's nothing more inspiring than a bit of David. Yeah, same here. Absolutely, I agree. Um, I lo- it just humanises everything and, and makes it very relevant. Because everyone loves a panda or a polar bear or a penguin yeah. or a, you know any sort of animal, really. So to, do, to tell the story of the importance of biodiversity and looking after the environment, what better way to do it than through 
So and nice. I, yeah, and I love the bits at the end where they show you how they filmed it as well. I'm sure, Andrew, you find those bits very interesting, but just like, wow, people sitting in those huts for six months to get that <laughs> 20 seconds. It's amazing. I love those bits. Listen, thank you so much for coming along. It's so nice, Susie, to um, to have you and one of your colleagues on together and, and get a sense of what you actually do. Thanks, Andrew. So, Sarah and Susie, if our listener wants to uh, find out more about your susp- sustainability practice or get in touch, how do they do that? So, um, they can check both of us out on LinkedIn, so our profiles. So, Susie Golding and Sarah Clark, you can get in touch with us through there. Um, you can also get in touch with us through the MullenlowSingapore.com uh, website. Fantastic. And Sarah, it's really fascinating career journey that you've had. And, um, you know, I think that what you're doing now is just clearly so much more noble and driven by purpose than being one of those magic circle lawyers. Hey. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> What a great chat that was. Yeah, she she is a a, a great woman, um, so passionate, so purpose-driven, um, a real inspiration, you know, for anyone who wants to get into working within the sustainability field, I think, and really anyone who decides to make a big career change um, and going in a, in a completely different direction. A great story for that, absolutely, especially in terms of making a career change. But, I mean, I think that I think it's really important to understand that you know, Sarah did a fantastic job there in setting up the sustainability practice. But I mean, she wouldn't have been able to do that without you, Susie. You know, you're like the Ooh. ultimate wing woman. Is it wing? Can oh, I say wing man? Or is it I think wing you woman? Can say wing woman. Yeah, wing yeah, woman. Wing woman. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, what's very clear from our conversation was that it was it was very much a joint effort. And I think that it, we should also say that we had the conversation about a month ago. And what's happened since then, Susie? What does the future look like for your sustainability practice? So I, I think, I mean, we've gone into 2021 really, really thrilled with the way that the launch of the practice was received at the end of 2020. You know, we can we can really feel the opportunity here in Asia because corporations, organizations are getting more interested in sustainability. They want to know how to do it better. They want to know how to become better businesses. And so, you know, we've already had some really great new um, briefs and proposals in. Um, So I think the future's looking really bright. And now it's for us to continue to build on our sustainability experience and knowledge because it's such a a complex area. I'm really interested in working with um, potential partners and other organizations who add, you know, maybe some technical expertise that we don't have. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if the last few weeks have anything to go by, I think uh, 2021 is going to be a great year for it. So there, there you go. There is some optimism for 2021 after all. So look, we'll see you all next week. Thanks very much for listening to the What's Next podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please like and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd very much appreciate it. Do rate us where you can rate us, but only if you're going to rate us five stars. Exactly. See you next time. Bye.